0: Day it is a deluge in east Memphis here at I-240 and Poplar Avenue. Uh, We actually had some pea-sized hail earlier, uh, but it hasn't rained in, in, I don't know, it seems like a week and a half. And it's more than making it up for it here. It is spotty, though. Uh, I'm looking at radar right now, and it is mostly down below us, uh, centered just right over Hernando and then due east. And then it looks like it's kind of expanding to the west of there. And then it goes all the way up to Collierville. I just talked to my wife in Collierville and said it's pouring down there. And, uh, downtown doesn't look like it's getting a thing. And, uh, there's some stuff over in Arkansas, but just little pop-up showers. Um, but it shows this going until, uh, four Then I looked at long range through the rest of the night and we could have off and on showers and pop-ups, uh, until tomorrow morning around 5. AM. So just be prepared for it. Also, be very, very cognizant of low-lying areas. We have this much rain that comes down this fast. Uh, there's a lot of uh, flooding and, uh, and high water, especially on the sides of roads where the storm sewers fill up and expands out. So be aware of that. And uh, when it rains this hard, your windshield wipers really do very little. If you can get off, don't just pull over on the side of the road. I've covered too many accidents where people have tried to get out of the rain. And just pull over the side road and get hit rear-ended by some car that can't see them because of the same problem. They couldn't see. So uh, just, uh, you know, uh, be aware of that. But if you can get off in a parking lot someplace and pull into a Sonic. I've done that before when it's hailing. <laughs> you want something, sir? <laughs> yeah, no more hell. <laughs> but that can save, save you on a lot of little bitty dents in your car. So uh, keep that in mind. Uh, but right now, uh, rain mostly south of the Memphis area, but and then on the east side of Memphis. And uh, I looked at uh, MLG&W. doesn't appear to be too many outages. There's some green, which means very little. Uh, so, there's, hey, you know, Memphis, if you get one lightning bolt, uh, that's it. People are out. Uh, I did see a really big bolt coming down. On my way into the station, by the time I was right there at I two forty in Poplar, and I was talking to a friend of mine. He lives at Walnut Grove in and I two forty. He said that hit. He heard the 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 lightning or the thunder, and then he said he saw it at the almost same time. So it hit right around him someplace. So just be very well aware of the weather situation right now. If you don't have to go anywhere, give it some time. It's going to rain hard, but then it's going to slack off, and then you'll be able to kind of get out and move around. So uh, keep that in mind. Uh, we're going just, we've got Jim on the phone. All right. We're going to go to Jim. Uh, I'm sorry. We've got uh, Tommy Stafford who's in, uh, Virginia, Nelson County, Virginia. Tommy's, uh, not only a, uh, outstanding reporter, he's a meteorologist, but he's also a pilot after the tragic jet airplane crash, uh, yesterday. Um, just heartbreaking. A, f- a woman, 59 year old woman, her two year old daughter and their nanny and a pilot. Were flying from tri-cities area of tennessee to uh, long island and uh, had it on cruise control and at some point they passed their their landing uh, site in uh, long island and the plane made a u-turn headed back except it went over the dc area which is prohibited airspace because of the white house of the president and uh, they scrambled four jets and they were able to monitor it and determine that Everybody on board was uh, not conscious. It was very reminiscent of the Payne Stewart tragedy years ago. I remember we all followed that live uh, as that happened. They were cruising right along beside them. They said the windows were fogged up in the jet, and uh, they could see people slumped over. And that, uh, I think, ended up running out of fuel over the Dakotas someplace uh, in the midsection of the country. He would left a golf tournament, and just a horrible story. But we've got Tommy on the phone right now. Good afternoon, Tommy.
1: Good afternoon to you, Earl.
0: Uh, this is something I, you posted it this morning you were the, one of the first posts i saw on it i saw a number of national reports on it and uh, your report actually was much more detailed and, and made a lot more sense than anything else i was seeing in fact a number of people on your facebook page also made that comment as well uh because uh, i mean gps has come a long way since the early days i mean it's almost now like if you buy a drone your drone if it if it passes something or doesn't get a signal it will return to where it started is that sort of what you think may have happened here
1: it's it's one scenario earl i since since i posted that this morning you might have noticed i've done some edits on the original post too i have actually just left the other stuff up but maybe additional edits where people could see what you know we originally said and then what you know we we started with or what i came back with later but I've talked to uh, three different people today. Uh, one of those, Mark Frankham. a lot of folks in Memphis will remember him. Uh, Mark is now pretty much retired, but uh, he was an airline transport pilot uh, rated for all those years that we were in Memphis. And, you know, that people saw him on TV at WRG as their meteorologist. And uh, And even after he left. The other one was a a very close friend of mine, my personal flight instructor back in 1980, which is George Vire, who lives there in Memphis. You're Doug's? And uh, that's Doug's brother, his his surviving brother. And I talked to him, and then I talked to, believe it or not, my uh, seventh-grade science teacher from (laughs) Dyer County.
0: I would love to be able to talk to my seventh-grade science teacher.
1: Well, and and he's (laughs) the guy that got me interested in flying. And and, uh, fast forward, he's now retired. He's 75. He's retired. From Gulfstream. Oh, wow. You know, G4, yeah. yeah. He was the instructor. did
0: not get any better that, than
1: that. Yeah, he was c- kind of the instructor that if Earl Farrell, you know, one of your many Gulfstreams that you've got in your fleet, yes. that if he if, if you bought one, he kind of went out and he trained your pilots, got them up to speed, you know, for several weeks or months or whatever it took, you know, and uh, as the plane was getting turned over to you after you bought it. Well, anyway, I talked to all three of these guys this morning. And I said, look, I said, I was in a pilot's forum last night. A lot of these guys were talking about the Citation Jet, and This was a, 50 or a 560, I think, the Series 5 Citation. And I said, they were mentioning an acronym, and honestly, it fails me. Uh, and I'm sure some listener is going to tell us at some point, but uh, that's a pilot. But that it had the return feature, much like a drone, which I had never been familiar with in general aviation, but I never flew Citation Jets. So, uh, would it in fact do that? Because we all saw that 180 yeah. turn out there in northeast of New York, which everyone says is really bizarre, including the three people I just mentioned to. And, um, they, they said that's strange. That's very strange. And my Gulfstream guy said basically the general rule of thumb is, is when it misses the, the waypoint or your landing spot that you put in, you know, I'm going to there is what a waypoint is uh that uh generally what happens is it will just go straight and level and continue flying, which is what happened in the airplane crash that you mentioned with uh
0: Paint Stewart.
1: Paint 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 Right. Same thing. I mean they they in that case they know they lost compression, mm-hmm. de- de- decompressed in the in the cabin. And the autopilot was engaged and it just kept flying until it ran out of fuel.
0: In that case though, it just kept going straight. And uh that's
1: correct. What- Correct, and, and that's what all three of these guys that I talked to said, that's been their experience. They flew these kind of planes often, and one still does. George still does, similar plane, And um, they said, that's our experience. He goes, you know, there may be a function in that particular series of the Cessna that would tell it to go back. So that's why I kind of amended it and said, this is one possible scenario. I will tell you, all of the people that I've talked to feel it was medical and not a decompression event.
0: Yeah, because it had a uh, single pilot, which everybody I talked to said that plane is built for a single pilot. Uh, correct.
1: You can get approved for it in that. It's not prudent, but it it could, is legal.
0: You could do it. In fact, most of the planes that I've been familiar with over the years, uh, they get to a certain power level, and they almost uh, – demand
1: that you have two pilots well and, and the, the problem is uh earl you know and look i was flying a single engine oh you know, some of those complex single engine which means they were pretty advanced but uh you know we're talking about speeds of 150 160 miles an hour tops uh when you're in one of these you're doing five four five hundred yeah. miles an hour and when you're going through airspace like New York or even Memphis, I mean, you know, by the time you get to Frazier, you're in Hernando, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
0: it your, happens. your wagon is yeah, it it, hap- it's loaded. Yeah, we're talking with Tommy Stafford. And- He's in uh, Nelson County, Virginia. Uh, Tommy, we got some weather here. Let me just give them an update on uh, some outages sure. and some accidents, and then we're going to go to break. Come back, and we'll talk more about this tragic accident. Uh, we got about uh, 1,184 MLG to- Customers that are without power right now. Uh, there are also a couple of accidents. There's a car fire, I-240, and Covington Pike uh, is probably out now if it's in that rain shower. Uh, also, there's an accident at I-240 Eastbound uh, 385, Another one at uh, Poplar Avenue East at Ridgeway, and, uh, and be on the lookout for high water all over the place uh, where it's been raining. I think it has slacked off here and stopped raining here at the station uh, but it absolutely poured earlier. But once, once again, there are some people that are without power in Memphis, which is, goes without saying, if it rains two drops and there's one l- bolt of lightning, uh, there are people <laughs> that lose their power. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, come back. We're talking with Tommy Stafford about this tragic uh, Cessna jet uh, crash. Was it a Cessna or was it a, uh, a Citation? A Citation, because that's what I heard yeah, it first, and then I, somebody else said it was a Cessna. The Citation Jet was the one that Fred Smith recommended to Elvis Presley when he wanted to buy his first jet, which he did buy uh, um, a uh, Citation Jet, the first Lisa Marie, and because it says one of the safest planes out there. So we'll talk more there. about that when we come back. Yep. Stay with us. And welcome back on a rainy afternoon. We still got a lot of showers in the area. Some lightning, thunder. Uh, Some street flooding. We've got about 1,800 uh, MLG&W customers without power. If you're out there driving around one of our traffic troopers, give us a call at 901-260-5926, and uh, we'll uh, get the word out uh, what you're seeing where you are to help keep everybody safe because that's part of what we're here for is to make it safe for everybody out there. So if you can share your information, you see something, Uh, I see it stacking up really bad someplace or flooding. Uh, Give us a call, 260-5926. And we're going back to the phones. Tommy Stafford in Nelson County, Virginia. He's a pilot. Um, He's been in the news business, so he's seen just about everything. And uh, I remember a few years ago, well, as time marches on. This was when I was at Channel 3 back in the early 80s, maybe 81, 82 Two citation jets, uh, they're out of Memphis International Airport. Two tra- training jets were being blown by students collided midair over near Brooks Road, and uh, and it, it both of them crashed, killed everybody on board. And I just remember how far uh, ranging the debris from that accident was. And they said this this plane was traveling around 500 miles an hour when it finally hit the the, the ground. And they said the, the debris area that. It's going to be an interesting uh, investigation by the FAA. Would you don't agree, Tommy?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, the the thing about it though, I don't know if you've seen the NBC four uh, chopper shots out of Washington.
0: I have
2: not. Um, uh,
1: they're they're on. Um, well, they're on our webpage where we covered it at Blue Ridge dot com, just like it sounds. Um, I embedded it in our story too. Uh, their stuff from this morning, but there's nothing left. nothing left i mean it's just a crater with charred rocks you know and some logs that were caught on fire and that's pretty much it so i don't know how much they're going to be able to glean from the scene i read one account where they were headed in at a trajectory of about twenty thousand feet per minute going straight straight down into there so i mean at that kind of impact there's not going to be a lot left well
0: i remember uh the helicopter crash in L.A. Uh, with Scotty Pippen uh, when that went down, and uh, they, it wasn't traveling 500 miles, probably f- traveling 150, 200 miles an hour, but it, it, there was no big pieces of it left either. And so it doesn't take a lot. I mean, look at the wrecks we see on the streets around here, people doing 70, 80 miles an hour. It totally destroys a car. So uh, really a tragic story. That The woman that was killed was, understand, 59 um, with her 2-year-old daughter, and their nanny and the pilot, and that the her sister and had, had uh, lost her life in a scuba diving accident just a couple of years ago, and the woman's her mother her the, and her father had her father had passed away. So her mother, she said, "I've lost my whole family in the last two years," and so just a, a tragic, tragic story. But
1: well, if you read the the, the parents of this child and the, the grandparents of the you know, their granddaughter in there, they, they lost a daughter, uh, in a scuba accident some time ago, like, you know, you just mentioned it. I mean, it, that's it. They're yeah. gone. Yeah. I mean, uh, so it's, uh, uh, there, there's a lot of questions about this thing that don't make any sense, uh, so far as they usually are initially, but, uh,
0: I kind of go back the, to the, the, what you were saying earlier that the Incapacitated pilot, but then they said uh, some of the the spotters on the fighter jets that went by it said they could tell the people that were incapacitated on board. How they know that unless they could see their heads slumped over through the windows?
1: Here's what's interesting: if if it was a and some people will understand this and just think, go back to your basic physical science that you learned in in school, uh, condensation. If if a cabin depressurizes at 30,000 feet, let's just say you're at 30,000. I think it was 30-plus something. But let's say 30,000 feet. If for any length of time, uh, you know, 30 minutes, an hour, or whatever, if it, it didn't decompress, then uh, the windows would be fogged up.
0: And that's what happened on Payne Stewart's jet. Those, yeah, the windows you, would have
1: were... fro- you would literally have frost on the inside yeah. at that altitude if you were there for any length of time. And you've got about a minute at 30,000 feet, if not a less, but no more than that to get a mask, you know, get some oxygen going and, and, and go on. Most people that fly those planes, they either have the mask right behind them or uh, the, the Gulfstream guy I told you about. He said he used to fly with his in his lap because he was at 40 plus thousand feet. And he goes, you know, I had seconds. If, if we depressurized, that's all I could do. So. It, 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 we haven't heard the account yet from the the military pilots. Did they ha Did they see fog on the windows? Uh, and I, I don't think any reporters asked that question yet.
0: Yeah, and and I haven't heard it. You know. I haven't heard it uh, addressed. Uh, other than the fact that the, the reports were that they did see the individuals on board appeared to be incapacitated, uh, and, right? Uh, and you can see people on board because I remember they had shots of people on the Payne Stewart uh, flight. They could see through the portals and see head slumped yes. forward um, yes. including into the cockpit of the, where the pilots were
1: if it you know and and if, that's, if that is in fact true if 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 they were all incapacitated but the windows were not fog and it was not a depressurization scenario it would almost make you think it was like some kind of carbon monoxide leak or something inside but i don't you know the the, the engines on that thing are it would be difficult for it to pull it in there, but I, you know, I I don't know, but uh, I've had three opinions from seasoned veteran pilots today, and they all tend to be in the camp that this feels more like a medical emergency that he had versus a decompression event. But
0: do we have any information on the pilot's age or anything?
1: I, I saw one brief tweet about an hour ago, and he was, I think it said he was 36 years old. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, he was not very, I mean, he could have been seasoned. He could have started at 20. Yeah. You know, and, and, and. Well, you,
0: you know, were 15 I mean, when you started, weren't you?
1: Yeah, I, mean, I mean, well, yeah, I got licensed, you know, right at it's the earliest age I could. Yeah, I remember. Which, you know, and so, uh, I was learning in my early or mid teens and then got licensed right at 18. So, uh, you know, I, 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 it would be interesting to see how much, you know, flight time he had and experience and what have you. Uh, but, um,
0: well, you know, we just had that, a, that's
1: a big question.
0: Another tragic uh, plane crash, uh, killed a number of people from, um, the, uh, harvest church here in Memphis. They were flying down to Texas right. or San Antonio and they still, they were approaching for their landing and still, uh, don't know exactly what happened. They had only one survivor and, and, um, uh, you know and, and you think about it every time you take off i've flown in everything so have you over the years the news the military i mean i've flown everything and um, you always think about it briefly when you take off and then you just go you know i guess whatever happens happens Tommy Stafford thank you for your insight always very valuable You're thank welcome. you thank you sir we'll talk again soon take a quick break All then right. we we'll check in with the better business bureau stay with us And thank you very much and welcome back. Uh, conditions outside are actually improving. It has uh, apparently stopped raining here in East Memphis at the station at um, Poplar and I 240. Uh, we still have some showers in the area, though. Uh, a couple of accidents still working. One at uh, Ridgeway, uh, uh, Poplar and Ridgeway, and then another one at 385 and I 240. We've got a slowdown. Uh, it's all yellow on I 240 from Walnut Grove all the way around to Perkins. And you've got another slowdown coming in on eastbound I 55 on the old bridge coming into downtown. And up north uh, uh, near uh, I 240 and uh, Covington Pike, there's another slowdown in the west. uh, Take that to the eastbound lanes there. So just be aware of the high water in a lot of places, but it looks like it's brightening up out there. So hopefully the worst is over. Joining me in studio is um, my good friend. uh, Daniel Irwin – excuse me, I'm swallowing because I'm thinking about our good friend, <laughs> Randy Hutchison, who's not here today because he had a little bout of the food poisoning. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he had that golf cart accident, and he just gets over that. And then today, did he, he call you and said, apparently, I've gotten hold of something bad?
3: Yeah, it was an email, but yes. Yeah, he's yeah. – he's uh, hopefully, he'll be back soon, though. Mm-hmm.
0: Food poisoning is <laughs> a terrible thing. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, – and uh and you, you know it when it happens. I mean there's, there's no I wonder if this is food poisoning.
3: <laughs> no, yeah. it's one of those things you know pretty yeah. pretty uh yeah. pretty this early is, on, something's wrong.
0: Yeah. This is not normal. This is that <laughs> I'm going through now. Uh speaking of not normal, this is our subject of the day is uh so many people get caught up in scams and, and they feel so distraught over the fact they lost money. Right. That it makes them an easy prey for this see, sometimes I guess even some of the same scammers are got up the first time to come back and say, we can help you get your money back.
3: Right, yeah. So so when you fall victim to a scam, you automatically go on a list, and you're going to be targeted by other scammers who are going to try to help you get your money back. Uh, they're going to offer, um, you know, sometimes they may even claim to be with the government. They may claim to be an attorney or some type of consumer watchdog. Um, sometimes they may even be claimed with the Better Business Bureau. We've seen scams out there where they impersonate us. Um
0: Daniel Earl was a yeah. girl. Right. <laughs>
3: but um you know and it, it's always going to go a certain kind of way you're gonna have to pay an upfront fee um you know to get to get your money back uh sometimes uh you know depending on what scam you originally fell for right you know it'll be tailored to whatever it is you 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 fell for but it'll always be very specific um some quick tips though um you know if you have to pay an upfront fee uh, before receiving any service, it's likely a scam. And then uh, if there's no physical address or phone number on the company's website that, that you know, they say they're from, that's a telltale sign it's going to be a scam. And if they say they're with a government agency or if they're an attorney or something, but they're emailing you from a yahoo.com or a gmail.com email address, uh, that's more than likely going to be a scam. Remember, government agencies have a .gov at the yeah. end. A very email address.
0: Well, and you would think, too, that if uh, you just got ripped off and somebody calls you and said, Mr. Farrell, uh, this is Bob with the government. We're here to help you. I would have a tendency to go, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> you sound like the guy that nailed me before.
3: Yeah. Well, they call them sucker lists, right? So, you know, if, again, if you fall for a scam, you're usually on a list, uh, on a sucker list. It's also the same kind of list if you answer the phone to a scam, right? So, I always talk about how, you know, you shouldn't answer the phone if you don't know who it is, because if you answer the phone of you're a scammer, on you're on a list, right? It's as a live number, so they're going to turn around and sell that that information to somebody else. It's it's the same concept. If, concept: if you fall for a scam you're probably going to be on what's called a sucker list. And then there's different variations of that list. So if you've lost $100, you'll be on a certain, certain kind of list. If you've lost $200, so it, it kind of goes up, right? But um, they're real, and, and it's, it's big money. And, and so if you have fallen for a scam, you will be targeted.
0: Somehow I think we're all on a sucker list somewhere. Uh, <laughs> I do want to mention it has picked up rain again, and it's uh, almost sideways out there. It's wow. coming down at an angle. And uh, so be aware of that. Um, just drive carefully. Don't do the average, uh, oh, I don't care if it's raining. I'm going to drive 70 miles an hour down Poplar Avenue. That, don't do that, please. I'm, I'm, I'm asking you because uh, it, it never turns out well. And if uh, you do see some traffic out there, give us a call at two six zero five nine two six and let's let our brothers and sisters know about it out there. Let's be a good person today. All right, back to uh, Daniel Irvin with the Better Business Bureau. That's what you try to do is get people to be good people.
3: Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's so prevalent that the FTC actually shut down an outfit called the Consumer Collection Advocates, and they took money from almost 1.3 million people with false promises that they could help people recover money wow. lost in fraud. Uh, some of the victims paid an upfront fee of as much as $10,000. To get their money back it's going to be a
0: special place in hell for these people that you know when they finally get in there the good lord goes and so what did you do with your time on earth and they go oh, well I, I put the screws to everybody
3: right <laughs> well and you know that's one of the things too there's a shame factor involved when people lose money to a scam so we never really know what the real dollar amount is because you know people are ashamed so they it, scams go underreported yeah. but oftentimes even when people report it to us They say, Oh, I only lost a hundred dollars, but we know that hundred dollars is probably more like a thousand or two thousand. So if someone tells you they lost ten thousand dollars, it's possible they lost a lot more. But again, the real number that's lost to fraud and scams. Um, no one even knows because it's so prevalent. And again, there's a shame factor associated with it. There shouldn't be, but there is. And so people are ashamed and they're embarrassed. And so they don't always report it, even when they've lost a lot of money. Well, it's the
0: same thing because you hear it all the time with things like timeshare properties, and right. and, and everybody talks about the successful and say, "Oh, this was great, we enjoyed it." And then you talk to these other people, and they don't want to talk about it. And then when you talk about uh, how do you get out of them, and there's a company that I hear advertising the radio says we can get you out of your timeshare. And then you wonder, is that really true? Can they really do that?
3: It's a uh, it's a very complicated issue. Um, there there are legitimate companies out there, but there are a lot of people that get scammed, thinking they can get out of timeshare. Um, that's that's a that's a, a very uh, it's very hard to do. I was just <laughs> talk- can be very expensive.
0: I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said that they have some friends that, that did a timeshare, and then they bought uh, 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 solar panels for their house for like I don't know fourteen thousand dollars. Spent four thousand to put them on. And then they moved, and they had to pay another 4000 to take them off. And then they said, well, maybe we can sell them on eBay. And they looked at the price of them on eBay, and they're selling for $50 a panel now. So it's like there's so many ways you can get shafted out there, which I think is another reason to always contact the Better Business Bureau. And whatever you're thinking about buying, whether it's solar panels, right. whether it's uh, – Anything like that, because it can save you so much grief, and it's a free call.
3: Right. And and, and our our operators answer the phones, right? When you call the Better Business Bureau of the Mid-South, you're not, I mean, you're going to talk to a person. Um, We have a, a full team of people that all they do all day long is they answer consumer calls. And so if we don't know the answer, it's not something that we can handle. We can point you in the right direction.
0: The, uh, what do people do if they, in fact, think they've now been suckered again? Do they go ahead and contact you guys, and or is there another agency they can go well, to? Well,
3: you know, we're a good starting point because, again, if it's out of our purview, it's not something we can handle. We can usually direct you to where you need to go. Now, a lot of times it's it's about terminology, right? We get a lot of times people will call us and be like, I've been scammed by this company. Well, it's a real company. And it's a, that's a that's a company a real company behaving badly, but that's not necessarily fraud, right? So that would be more of a complaint. So we'd walk you through our complaint process, right? So, so part of it's just determining what the best procedure would be, what the what what we need to do. There, are, there are some times where the issue is something that's so severe that it's not even in our purview, and we might need to escalate it. Stuff like discrimination, stuff like that, right? Like. Um, you know, so so if, if we're not the proper avenue, we we can certainly put you in contact with who you need to need to talk to.
0: But I guess you also hear from people, though, that think they've been scammed because it didn't turn out the way they wanted it to turn out. Yeah. And then, like they said, well, he told me that it would do this, this and this. I said, Well, does it do this and this? Yeah, but I thought it was going to be better than that. Well, if it met what they said, then, right. you know, that's the deal.
3: Well, and again, sometimes people think they've been scammed. It's not necessarily a scam. It's just they were taken advantage of by a business. And and so, you know, that's not necessarily a scam. That's a a business not operating ethically. Um, Usually when we talk about scams for our purpose, it's fraud from the get-go. It's these phony calls. It's the phishing emails. It's, you know, fraud. Like there was never any intention of following through. It's not a registered business that just treated you badly or you had a bad experience or, you know, you, you call their customer service line, they cussed you out or something like that, right? Those, those are very bad, need to be addressed. But there's, you know, we, we, we can serve those different than scams. They're still very, very bad and they still need to be addressed again. And, and we, we will take action on that, but, you know, not, not necessarily a scam.
0: So just keep in mind, if you have been scammed lately, uh, you might be expecting a call of somebody that says they can help you. Just hang up.
3: Yeah, I mean, anytime you someone contacts you out of the blue and they say, "Hey, we know that you lost money to so and so or whatever," I mean that that's that's a telltale sign that you know you want to stay as far away from that. But if you 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 hear the pitch and you you do think that it it sounds plausible, go ahead and give us a call. We can you know we can check look them out. up. Yeah, we can check it out. Um, that's a lot of what we do a lot of times things sound too good to be true that's when we encourage you to give us a call we can look at it for you if they gave you a phone number we can look the phone number up they gave you we can look up their website we can see if it really is a business and if it is where it's registered we can contact the state that it's supposedly registered in you know we can research it for you uh we 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 would love to do that for free right that's that's a service that we yeah um so you know don't don't hesitate to give us a call but but Nine times out of ten, um, if it's too good to be true, it probably is.
0: Is there place you can go find out if you're on the sucker list?
3: I, I No, I, I, the, the, yeah.
0: That would be good.
3: That would be. Uh, if, if I ever find a copy of said list, uh, we'll, we'll have to come on in you and share that. All your but.
0: friends are hey, you're not going to believe where I found your name. You are on the sucker list. <laughs>
3: Yeah, if, if it was all like easily shareable, yeah, that'd be great, <laughs> wouldn't it?
0: Daniel Irwin, give him a phone number at the Better Business Bureau.
3: Yeah, you can give us a call at 901-759-1300, or you can go to our website, bbb.org.
0: I just remember when I was in high school, that was the worst thing somebody could call you. You sucker! <laughs> <laughs> so don't be a sucker! Daniel Irwin, thank you until Reddy get feeling better.
3: I will, I will. Thanks, Earl.
0: Thank you. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back. And welcome back. Well, it's uh, the rain's tapered off here at the station. Got just some light rain, and it looks like the sun's trying to emerge from behind the clouds. I uh, still have two accidents that are working one at Ridgeway and Poplar, the other at 385 and I 240. Big slowdown, uh, just, um, just uh, east of the uh, Chelsea exit. And. Uh, Uh, Actually, Germantown Parkway has only got a yellow line on it, which is pretty unbelievable for any time of the day. But uh, So at least you got that going for you. Uh, Some local news. Shelby County Clerk Wanda Halbert has confirmed a soft opening for the Riverdale location. Poplar Plaza lease agreement is in the works. I think at one time last week we had no no, uh, license plates uh, places you could go to. I uh, got a car a month ago. I still drive around with paper tags. People go, did you steal it? (laughs) No, I didn't steal it. No, I mean the tags. No, I didn't steal the tags either. But Shelby County clerk Wanda Halbert has confirmed that there will be a soft opening for the much anticipated Riverdale office. The long-awaited Riverdale office location will miss its Saturday deadline, which it did. Uh, But... Uh, Clerk Walter Halbert announced Friday they'll be opening the doors of the new location this week. Uh, the office, which is scheduled to open its doors on June 6th, will begin with only four employees working the location. <laughs> Actually has a dry, three drive-up windows, like at a bank. Uh, how does that work? I and mean, Do they stick your, your license in a, one of those little tubes and shoot it out to you? I see that just as another, another possible uh, problem there. But hopefully they'll get that uh, that uh, straightened out. And the Civil Rights Museum display car left damaged. Uh, this was a display vehicle at the National Civil Rights Museum is damaged after a man stood on the roof Friday evening. There was this old Cadillac, a vintage Cadillac, of the same year Martin Luther King Jr., uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., was assassinated at the Lorraine Motel. And they had it parked out there in front as just to add, you know, authenticity to the scene and to make everybody kind of what it was like back then. And some guy got up on top and jumped up and down on the roof of the car and, and, and mashed the roof in, which is pretty disgusting. But, you know, you see stuff happening all the time. Uh, like all these people that are stabbing tires in Boston, now it's happening around the, around the world, really, in other countries where they're going in and stabbing, you know, and, and puncturing tires on SUVs saying, uh, you're ruining our lives, murdering us because you're driving a gas guzzler, and we're not mad at you, just your vehicle. It's vandalism, and that's people's livelihood. Like, how are you going to get to work and back, move your family? And uh, it's just this this mentality. I just don't understand it. If you don't like something, there are ways of going around protesting it, making your voices heard, voting. Um, but uh, this newer... Uh, Thought process, and they're not just young. I mean, some of those Antifa people are in their forties, so it's not like you know these are just young people out there doing it. Um. Well, but uh, anyway, uh, don't stab any tires. You know, you don't like uh, what where the world's going. I did hear that uh, the, the folks in Ireland, the cattle ranchers in Ireland, are really getting up, and I don't know if they're arms yet. Or they probably already confiscated all the weapons in Ireland. Uh, especially after the Northern Ireland conflict with England. But uh, they're wanting to reduce their herd by 65%. I don't know how this is possible. So 65% a year for over the next three years and to curb g- global uh, uh, change. What is it now? It's not global warming anymore. It's uh, uh, climate change. Climate change. That's they keep changing the name because it ain't warming it ain't cold and it's just changing and so they think that um somehow uh that uh, if they get rid of all the cattle that that's going to solve the problems it's just everything they come up with is say if we do this will solve it but then never get solved i think it's just all a control factor and if we let them do that i know that i'm talking to ranchers that said they're they're in the process now of finding local distributors, butchers, to distribute their beef here and not sending it to big auction houses to be auctioned off, to big slaughterhouses. I understand the the pork industry is largely owned now by the Chinese. And I did hear a podcast over the weekend, a guy who's uh, uh, really pretty much in the know when it comes to this kind of stuff, and he said, if you look at all the things that are happening, up and do, including the Chinese cutting in front of one of our missile, uh, guided missile cruisers uh, off the coast of Taiwan over the weekend, and then the jets in the midair, the uh, all this stuff. Chinese buying land in this country. Um, they control all of the um, the drugs that we use for insulin, for baby formula. I mean, all of a sudden you sit there and go. You know, uh, they pretty much do everything, and if they want to cut us off, we're screwed, including energy. And who did that? I mean, Joe Biden cut our energy off. We were energy energy independent. And now I just saw today where Saudi Arabia said they're going to cut back on their production even more this summer, which means the cost of taking a little vacation is going to cost you more. And then Joe's tapped back into the, the Strategic Oil Reserve to help keep prices low. So what are we going to do if we need this Strategic Oil Reserve? Nada. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back. Stay with us. Hey, thank you very much, and uh, welcome back uh, on this uh, kind of a rainy day. I'm looking at the MLGW outage map right now, and you've got some outages around the the county. Um, right now it says 1,254 people affected. Uh, I don't see any red. There's some uh, yellow and green, and all of them are inside the, uh, well, most of them there's some uh, in Germantown, uh, in between Germantown and Collierville, Cordova has some outages and get up north and there's some spotty places. Uh, so it's kind of a little bit all over the place, but only uh, 1,200 people right now affected by it. And the rain has turned into kind of a sprinkle here at the station in East Memphis. I do see um, on radar, it's, uh, it's kind of a hovering really uh, right along the uh, Mississippi-Tennessee uh, state line. There's another string of showers over in West Memphis and, um, and Eastern Arkansas. Um, everybody needs rain badly, especially down in Mississippi. My son's down there on the ranch, and he said the dust is dusty, so hopefully they'll get some rain too. All right, checking out with Jim Elliott, who's in Connecticut. Uh, they don't need rain there, do you, Jim?
2: I do see, uh, our- uh, actually, yeah. <laughs> we do need rain here.
0: Well, I think it's uh, dry all over, and uh, it's... Uh, we had a really wet winter and uh, from from last fall. We had just a ton of rain over the winter, but it's amazing how fast it dries up if you don't get it on a regular basis. And uh, yeah, uh, we We're going to talk about a number of things today. One of them is artificial intelligence, and we've talked about this before, what kind of an impact it's going to have, and people are now who are experts in the field that have actually helped develop artificial intelligence are saying we need to be very, very careful with this stuff because it could end up... Impacting is far greater than anybody ever realized. Today, they came out with some numbers, and around 3,700 people can be attributed their job loss to artificial intelligence. There was one woman who a, is a copywriter for an ad agency, I think. Uh, some other guy said he was totally wiped out, his, his whole livelihood, by artificial intelligence. I know there's a couple of Mexican food restaurants here that have um, robots that deliver food for the kitchen to your table. And so, you know, you sit there and think, well, where will it end? Because if you can buy a, a computer or a, a robot for, say, it's $6,000, and then no days off, no vacation, no Social Security, uh, you just pay that and and um, a maintenance fee, and uh, that thing's working from now on. Uh, but then at what point do you sit there and go, where does where does the government get the income to keep the government going? Because ain't nobody working, just a bunch of robots. And guess what? They don't pay taxes.
2: <laughs> I know. It's it's going to be a – you know what it's going to be like? It's, it's when they started to shut stuff down for COVID, and you just didn't realize that over – because they were talking about two or three weeks, oh, we'll just shut this down. And then all of a sudden it turned into what turned – it seemed like – two years and it destroyed all kinds of things. And no one had any control over any of it. And I'm telling you this automation thing and the AI is going to be the same way. You will never see it coming. It's just going to come through like a wave.
0: Well, look at what it did to television. I know that when you moved to Connecticut to work for the TV station up there, uh, there was a union shop. So you couldn't just fire people willy nilly. But I remember talking to you one time after you've been up there a year or so, and I said, so how many people you got work in the studio? He goes, one, it's the security guard, and he's the one that runs the teleprompter. <laughs> Everything else, all the cameras were remote control from the director. And so at one time, I remember when I first started the business, we had had four studio uh, cameras on, on, you know, it was the roller platforms. You had a, a floor manager, assistant floor manager, so you had seven people just working on the floor in a newscast. We had live commercials and during the breaks, and then you had uh, you know an audio person, a director, assistant director, and somebody that ran the film chain. Another two people in the videotape room. So there were like fifteen people that worked on a, a newscast. You go to the, any of these TV stations now. There's a there's a, a director, audio follows video, so they don't even have an audio guy anymore. The cameras well, hi, are. All,
2: you're, you're- you're at home right now.
0: No, I'm not. I'm so, at the studio.
2: Oh, well, nonetheless, it's, you can easily set up a studio. In oh, your yeah.
0: House. It, yeah, I did it for two and a half years, yeah. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, it's it's, it's de-inflationary in the fact that it, it brings costs down for everyone, but at the same time, yeah, you're eliminating jobs the whole way down.
0: Well, if you look at uh, the cities, uh, downtown Memphis has a lot of people living down there now, but the businesses, the restaurants, well, there's a lot of restaurants because people, so many people live there and they go there for the weekend. But I remember back when you were living here, the, the, all the banks had made their headquarters were downtown. All the big law firms were downtown. All the big corporate uh, people were downtown. And over the years, they've all split for the suburbs or just said, we're not coming back in. And, And look how many companies have not returned to New York and Manhattan and say, why would we do it? Everybody, we're still profitable. People are doing their job from home and nobody wants to go back to the uh, commuting into New York. Exactly. So
2: why would you pay New York prices for real estate when you can just do it as a, as a virtual, a piece of virtual reality of our virtual real estate all across America at the same time. And everybody's, people don't want to go back. A lot of people have decided they don't want to go back. They're having bigger problems in other countries than we are.
0: Oh, so like it's just as bad in Paris and England? as it? Yeah, they,
2: in England they said <laughs> that people don't want to come back more than about two days a week.
0: Well, but you so, know, look at they in in Europe, like in France, they get thirty days off a year, <laughs> and they want more than that. And now, and
2: they're riding because they can't <laughs> retire at what is it? It's sixty-two. Sixty-two,
0: yeah. And, and they
2: get, want to raise it to like 64?
0: And and when they retire, it's almost like 100% or whatever it was they were making. Yeah. I mean, it's like. Yeah, I know. And, and, and at what point do you sit there and go, hey, guys, I know you want to do this, but who's going to pay for it? Cause...
2: Well, it turns into a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. You just, everyone, you know, the politicians keep kicking the can down the road. Eventually, somebody's got to pay the uh, piper.
0: Well, and that's it. They're all counting it. Ain't them that's going to have to pay the piper. <laughs> uh, You're right. I do. To, we talked about this sir, the last month or so, is the, the the Bud Light thing. It said now that the ad agency that pushed Dylan Mulvaney Bud Light campaign is in full panic mode. Is that, I read that. I mean, they sat there and said that, uh, you know, we thought this would just pass and that'd be the end of it. And evidently, this is a, a company that, puts influencers with major corporations. It's the name of the company is Captive 8. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) Captive 8. An ad agency out of San Francisco that often fixes uh, prominent social media influencers with high-powered corporations like Anheuser-Busch orchestrated the initial partnership between transgender TikTok star Dylan Mulvaney and the brand Bud Light in the face of unforeseen intense backlash to the campaign. Captivate has been scrambling to save face after what turned out to be a disastrous move. Now, we know that uh, Bud Light Vice President of Marketing, Alyssa Hinderscheid, was placed on a leave of absence for her role, pushing the ad. Her boss, Daniel Blake, he went on a leave of absence almost immediately after. And uh, they're now reporting that that wasn't their idea. They didn't do it. Cause, I think I'll take a, two, a few days off. They, poorly told uh, you're taking a leave of absence, and we'll let you know if you're ever coming back. Uh, they said, it. it is amazing, though, when and, and Bud, Budweiser came back and said, you know, we, we never wanted to do anything that was going to alienate our base uh, market. So, Well, and they're saying that BlackRock
2: and Vanguard and all these huge investment companies are pushing all this. They're pushing this kind of, you know, um, Diversity and equity and inclusion on everyone, and they're you're getting a score based on that. So they're the ones that are pushing it because they're taking investors' money and they're using it to strong-arm mm-hmm. companies into doing political stuff. And that's why people like that little ad agency in California can do the stuff that they're doing is because they know there's a there's a uh, a need for that. There's a there's a job there for somebody. Who wants it? If you want to do that kind of stuff, and because they know that all these companies are going to fall pressure under these big financial companies to fall in line.
0: Well, yes, you know, BlackRock probably has more in investments uh, in real estate than any other company in the world in the United probably. States.
2: and everything, and everything.
0: So, at what point uh, do, th- do you think that it even bothers them that people are boycotting uh, Bud Light? They're not going back to target is and, and I' would say target's uh, starting to feel the pinch as well from its uh, transgender oh, bathing suit uh, yeah
2: they've lost a lot of money you know I think what's happening is and and there's some AGs some state attorney generals that are suing these companies because what you're doing is you're taking money pension money and state money from workers and you're putting it into your company political. and you're supposed to be you have a fiduciary responsibility. To do the right thing, and what they're doing is they're pushing their own political point of view, and that's not legal.
0: No, and so if I wondered if it would ever come to I've, that because they, what they're doing is they're going and grabbing uh, police department pension plans, they're grabbing uh, yeah. union uh, pension plans, uh, but yeah, they're all well, supposed to. You be- know
2: what? I my money's with Vanguard and Fidelity, and both of them have said, "Listen, we're not investing in ESG, equity, society, and government." We're not doing that because I'm telling you, the minute Vanguard says they're doing that, I'm pulling my money out and I'm moving it to Fidelity. I want really cutthroat people that are looking to make as much money as possible, and I don't want them investing in what they think is some kind of social program that somebody else thinks is really a good thing.
0: But I, think I don't that, want that. I think that if there's anything good that's coming out of all this is that people didn't pay any attention to who was whether money was being invested and yeah. what was being done and I think they are paying attention now. We're talking with Jim Elliott. He's up in Connecticut. We're going to take a quick break, come back. We're going to talk about something called a graphene batteries. It's one of a number of new batteries that are in the experimental stage. That, uh, one thing about it, there's a lot going on in the world of batteries. We're going to talk about it coming up. And welcome back. Start so with Jim Elliott up in uh, Connecticut, and he's uh, he's a, a big investor in EVs, uh, specifically uh, Tesla. He's a big fan of Elon Musk and Tesla, and so he, he really has done a lot to kind of educate me in, into this. And I therefore been trying to get as much knowledge to use as we can on it because uh, whether you like electronic vehicles or not, that's it's the coming thing. Uh, the The new thing right now is who's going to come up with the next best battery to, uh, to get the job done. And right now, um, uh, energy storage systems such as batteries play a critical role in the electric vehicles, plug-in hybrid electric vehicles, uh, and hybrid electric vehicles. The majority of battery types currently used, EVs, PHEVs, and HEVs. as the energy storage systems include lithium-ion batteries, nickel-metal hybrid batteries, lead acid batteries, and ultra capacitors. But this new thing coming out is called graphene, and graphene is referred to as a two-dimensional 2D structure of graphite, where one flat layer of carbon atoms is organized into a supportive honeycomb lattice. And although the grapevine can be prepared in several ways, plasma-enhanced chemical vapor disposition is the most suitable technique to produce the, the graphene. It's lightweight. It doesn't create the heat that the lithium batteries do. And as we all know, if a lithium battery catches on fire, just get out of town. Uh, What have you heard about the graphene, Jim?
2: Well, I've heard that (coughs) they didn't invent this until uh, only like 20 years ago, you know, and um, it's a super lightweight substance. And the way it's created is making little tiles. It becomes long fibers. You make a very lightweight battery it's a super strong structure and uh it can be recharged over and over and over so the problem is they've never been able to scale these batteries up you know what this battery is perfect for is making uh an airplane
0: uh, because, a battery powered airplane
2: Yeah, because and that's what musk has talked about that several times and i saw the plane that he flew to china last week and it was a big long it looked like a Learjet, except it was like scaled to like three times the size. I mean, it looked like you could, you know, if you were seven feet tall, you could walk through this plane and not have to bend your head
0: down. So, so like, like the Spruce Goose that Howard Hughes <laughs> invented.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it was a pretty big jet. So,
0: and you do know, you think so, that was a was an electric jet?
2: No, no, no. He's flying. He's flying with jet fuel. Okay. So he wants to make. Um, you know, an electric plane. And they've actually talked about it. And I'm sure that Tesla, you know, maybe 20 years down the road will be making electric planes. Uh, But right now they need to make a really strong battery. That's what everyone's trying to make. They're trying to make a very small battery with really high energy storage that can, you know, power things so that you don't have this massive uh, set of batteries, you know, under your car. You know, one of the things that Chevy did was one of the first trucks that they made was they electrified the um the hummer, and so they made a truck that weighs nine thousand pounds, and the battery <laughs> they put in it. the reason they get such good range is because the battery they put in it is gigantic and it weighs three thousand pounds Wow, and so yeah, it's just like if this truck was in England, you would not be legally allowed to drive it on the
0: because it's too heavy road. for the roads.
2: They don't even test the NTHSB, whatever it is. They don't even test trucks that weigh this much. So if you're driving a, you know, my little tiny <laughs> 08 Prius and I get hit by a 9,000 pound <laughs> you're vehicle, gone. I don't think I'm going to survive that. Well, so.
0: you're, you're just like being hit by a tank, is what it's like.
2: <laughs> so they need to invent much lighter weight vehicles because, you know, with, the, with the, not having a 1,000 pound motor in the front of your car, you can make a crumple zone that, you know, when you've got two little engines, two little motors running the axles or one motor in the back, it, the cars just aren't as dangerous as they are when they weigh that much. Yeah.
0: Well, and in fact, if you look at Europe, they all drive little mini Coopers and cars smaller than that, if yeah. that. And then you got yeah. people driving, you know, the Vespas and riding bicycles and walking. <laughs> Uh, In this country, though, we've scaled down tremendously since the 70s and the days of the big boat cars, Uh, and uh, they've lightened up everything from what the cars are made from, uh, the amount of steel that's in them versus the amount of plastic. I mean, you look at cars now that get hit from the front or the back, they just leave the bumpers laying on the ground at the wreck scene. Even the record drivers don't pick them up. Yeah. And so you you know that they can make them lighter, and – and I think, and listen, my neighborhood, everybody drives a golf cart. I mean, that's all you see is you go to the pool and there's like 50 golf carts lined up around the pool in my neighborhood because yeah. that's everybody's driving electric. And so, you know, it's coming. I just, the thing that's always amazed me is how they want to make, they want to force it on everybody because they say it's a timetable because of climate change that we yeah. got to do it within the next five years or we're all dead. How many years they've been telling us are we going to be all dead back when they were calling it global warming
2: well my my whole thing has been with the with the ira which was the uh infamous inflation reduction act which was just an environmental policy that they put forward is they're saying this this year that tesla's because tesla's designed their own batteries and they've gotten in front of everyone else and they're the only company that's doing it and now they started last week two weeks ago they uh, broke ground on a um, a lithium refinery in Corpus Christi. I mean, that's where everyone's going is to lithium-ion batteries. Well, Tesla's already put in a, a a refinery. So this is going to become a thing where the government is going to pay Tesla something like $1.8 billion this year just because they're so far ahead of everyone else making batteries. So this thing where the government's going to pay tesla what they were trying to do i think was to help gm and ford not lose unionized workers i really think the government which was basically the democrat administration was getting a lot of money from unions and i think that they put this policy in to help unionize
0: solidify uh, the unions
2: yes and what hap- what's happening now is Tesla is so far ahead of everyone else that they may actually end up hurting the unionized companies because they're, they're enabling Tesla to, to jump by leaps and bounds in front of everyone else.
0: We're talking with Jim Elliott. We're going to take a quick break. I want to come back and pick up on that and also what effect AI is going to have on unions. That may be the real fear factor that is gripping the uh, uh, political scene. We'll put it that way. We'll be back. And welcome back. Uh, We've got a couple of accidents I want to tell you about. Uh, One uh, fairly serious one uh, down at um, um, Midtown I-240 South uh, at Norris Road, as reported at 346. And then we've got another one at Kirby and uh, 385. Another wreck at uh, Poplar Avenue east of Ridgeway. And then one downtown at Jackson Avenue and I-40 East. Uh, So be careful out there. It has stopped raining here in East Memphis, so there are some spotty showers around, so be aware of that. And uh, just drive carefully. There's still some people without power, but it goes without saying, uh, if if we have one bolt of lightning somewhere in the uh, (laughs) Mid-South, somebody's going to lose some power. And uh, right now they've got uh, 1,287 people without uh, power but ninety nine point sixty nine percent uh customers have power the GW always puts that up first <laughs> look at all the good news uh, we' are talking with Jim Elliott who's up in connecticut. We were talking about uh the uh just what's going on with uh, everything from graphene batteries to uh e cars and you know and and uh, the environment and how all this is changing. And you sit there and go, well, what's the real push behind it? Is it corporations like BlackRock that's really behind it? Is it is it a, totally a political thing that they're trying to totally dominate one political party and then force everybody else to do what they want? Uh, but when you look at the, 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 the EVs, the electric vehicles, I think that uh, the unions, and I think the Democratic Party saw this as a huge opportunity to help bolster the unions. and then But it could end up working in reverse with – the advent of artificial intelligence. Jim, what's your take on it?
2: Well, it's, that's going to be a real problem. Um, I don't think anyone knows how to deal with this. I don't think people understand how quickly this is going to develop and how quickly it's coming. I mean, they talk about the, you know, the computer programs, which basically you ask a question to a bot and it gives you an answer. And, and those are becoming sophisticated. They can, they can see it, Earl, that stuff when he came in March, and now we're talking about how it's destroying thousands of exactly. jobs, in June. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it hasn't it, even been three months.
0: And one thing you said, and same thing about the electric vehicles, is when you think back to when cell phones, the first cell phones came out, and I still remember it. It was Cellular One here in Memphis, and there were these big gray bricks with a big hard black antenna that stuck out the top. And all yep. these dorks would go around and stick one in their breast coat or their pocket or their coat. To, yes, I have my James Bond phone here. <laughs> Everybody's going, that's a brick in your pocket. <laughs> yeah. I but mean, that, that was didn't... that was like in the 80s, okay? All then right. you look, in by the 90s it came around, Blackberry comes out. And you Obama was somebody who made the Blackberry hugely popular. And everybody had to have one. And now you look at, there's not a kid in anywhere in the world doesn't have a cell phone now. I mean, the the people that are come across our border, our Southern border, they've all got cell phones when they get here. Then they ditch those and we give them new ones. Uh, but so if you look at it, how fast that developed and you look at artificial intelligence and what it can do, I mean, it, it could be absolutely, as you say, uh, transforming in a matter of, of months, if not a couple of years.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, It's an amazing thing. I I think that I I truly believe that in the next ten years we're going to move into a into an age where, you know, our our parents in the nineteen sixties wouldn't even recognize our world. I I really think that we're about to make a quantum leap because AI is going to. It's it's the more AI you get, the faster it's going to speed up.
0: Well, I, I did watch uh, 2001 Space Odyssey about six <laughs> six months ago. And I woke up in the middle of the night, and it was on. And then almost the very beginning, and I went, what is this? And then I realized what it was, mm. and I started watching it. What an amazing movie when you think about when it was made. Oh, it's brilliant. E- even when you look at the technical aspects of making that movie, how what they did in the spacesuits and the computers and everything – what they what they didn't have any idea was gonna look like now and they were so dead on as to what it does look like now. Right. And then you got Hal going, I don't think so, Bob.
2: Yeah, exactly. We're gonna do it my way. (laughs) Yeah. Did you Earl, did you read the story that the Air Force is running drone uh, simulation war games with the drone and they told this drone to destroy the object? But they gave it a, you know, an overlord, a person who could tell it not to destroy the object. And it eventually got so intent on destroying the object that when the person <laughs> said no, it went back to kill the person that was telling it no.
0: The Air Force is so denying they- that. You know that. They have now come out. <laughs> I and said, know no. they're
2: denying it. <laughs> but, uh, but, I mean, we keep hearing this story, and I just love the story. I don't even know if it's true, but I enjoy it so much because. And then they said, even after they told it, no, you will lose points if you kill the person who's a good guy. It went back to the, <laughs> lose points. the, the yeah. communications tower that Hal. was telling it to just Hal. Go,
0: Now, you know. know, you can't kill me. I'm your boss, right, Hal? <laughs> sure.
2: So sure. it's just So, yeah, I mean, it's like we're unleashing something that we don't understand. I mean, look at human beings. We don't even understand each other, No, and we're going to make machines that can think faster than we can.
0: Well, and, and when you think <laughs> about it, it, it's it's like we all have to – we have a couple of things in our way. It's called judgment and choice. Artificial intelligence doesn't have that. It has, infrared, no. it has data, and there is no right or wrong when it comes to data. It's just data. Nope. And nope. if you say, we're going to program you to do this, accomplish this goal, and they go, well, to do that, we have to get rid of Skippy – and little Bubba over there, and uh, we're going to do it. And yeah. so you go, well, you can't do that. You go, you no, know, it is necessary. And you're going. Yes. And then, so who was it? Uh, was it uh, Elon Musk that said that we must have some kind of a, a master cutoff switch that so we can stop these things?
2: Well, he's been saying that for 10 years. Yeah. No one's slowing down. No one listens to that. Well, and you think it's no, the Chinese. There's no money in slowing down no, no. and listening to reason.
0: No. <laughs> Did you see them slow down in the gold rush of the 1849? No. Was it, they you, never slow down. The guys, you slow it up here. We know, we're causing a lot of dust on your way to California. Okay, yeah, right. I'll <laughs> yeah, see, right. You, see you later, dude. No, follow and, the
2: money, baby. That's the deal.
0: Well, and then you, I saw this today. It came out uh, that uh, they had some kids from uh, South Carolina school children who were interrupted uh, mid-performance inside the U.S. Capitol building the Capitol Police ordered the children to stop singing the Star Spangled Banner in the building. Students said they were told the song might offend people. But Capitol Police say musical performances are not allowed of the building, and they consider any such behavior to be a demonstration. The group is from Greenville, South Carolina, said they had acquired permission from the speaker's office. Police blamed the entire episode on a congressional staff member who said they lied about having permission. <laughs> Shut them down. <laughs> Regardless, the South Carolina congressional delegation is rightfully perturbed. Congressman William Timmons says the kids who are just trying to express their love for America, he says they have arranged to have the children return to the Capitol, all expenses paid to finish their concert. I mean, can you (laughs) believe that that even the Capitol Police would sit there? If you've worked there, you know you've seen uh, people sing in in the Capitol before. I mean, at Christmas time and at all kinds of different events. <laughs> and they have somebody come and go. No, I'm so and so's staff, uh, chief of staff. They can't do that. You can't see yeah. stars back. I'd love to know whose staff they were a member of.
2: Yeah, it's a, well, it's just it's just gotten to the point that everyone everyone's just equally offended by everything. So everyone should just shut down whatever whatever they're planning on doing it on doing. You should not shut it down because someone's going to be offended. I mean, it's just amazing to me. It's amazing to me what's accepted as being non-offensive and what is offensive.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, and I talk about this all the time, if you go back in time, back when we worked together in Memphis, early 80s, I mean, we were offensive all the time. I mean, all the time. Everybody, But nobody say anything about it because to say you were offended by something would mean well, you're way too sensitive, then. You need to exactly. tough it up because the world is not a sensitive place. Well,
2: look who we were raised by. We were raised by people who had been through World War II. years of really tough times.
0: And, and, and that's exactly what it is. Is that my? <laughs> thought, you were not allowed to whine in my household. There was exactly. no no whining about anything. What
2: makes you so special? <laughs>
0: yeah. And if you if you brought up the fact that something wasn't fair. Well, that lasted about a second and a half.
2: Exactly. I'll show you what fair <laughs> is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Here's m- meet you in the backyard. I'll show you a fair race. Exactly. M- me coming after exactly. you. Uh, we're talking with Jim Elliott. He's up in Connecticut. When we come back. I do want to talk about this story about CNN staffers believe that CEO uh, list is done. Now he's the guy that fired um, uh, Jeff Zucker and uh, who was the other that other guy that. Uh, that uh, he's come out and said that it's all over because they're still so pissed that they got fired by this guy. He said he wanted to make CNN more kind of middle of the road and actually cover both sides of the story. So I want to get your reaction to that uh, when we come back. So stay with us. <clears throat> and welcome back on this uh it was rainy earlier. It's uh, kind of tapered off now. It's overcast, but uh, not the deluge that it was. But still be careful out there. The streets are still wet, and there's still some uh, slight flooding in some places, so just uh, drive carefully. Uh, we're talking with Jim Elliott up in Connecticut, and he's been in the media for just as long as I have been. And so you watch things as they develop over the years. CNN I remember when CNN first started, they called uh, Jerry Tate. And this was back in early 80s. And Jerry was the main anchor of Channel 3, WREG. Jim and I were both there. And Jerry said, he, he called me into his office and said, hey, let me ask you a question. He said, CNN, this thing out of Atlanta, are you familiar with it? I said, yeah, it's a Ted Turner thing. He goes, yeah. He said, they want not know if I want to go to work for him. I said, yeah, it's a flash in a pan, man. <laughs> nah, man, you just stay here. Which he did. <laughs> he never spoke to me again, but uh, <laughs> but other people did. Natalie Allen, who worked there as intern, she ended up going to work for Chris Schmidt in Orlando, then a couple other places, ended up at CNN for many years. And uh, she's with, uh, I'm not who she, sure who, who she's with now, but anyway, CNN CEO Chris List, which is L-I-C-H-T, but it's pronounced List, signed up last year to head a once-leading network out of sagging ratings the plan to bring its ideology to the middle. But the Atlantic's inside of the meltdown at CNN published this weekend detailed the fallout for hosting a town hall with former President Donald Trump. Analyst Brian Stettler, what a jerk, reported from his New York magazine that his former CNN colleagues see List as done after just one year with ratings still sagging. The anti-List sentiment is shared by many at CNN, rank and file, has existed to some extent for months, but the Atlantic article cemented it. Stetler wrote Sunday, in the words of three employees, he's over, he's done, there's no coming back from that profile. I mean, these are just embittered ex-employees that found some other kind of uh, outlet that hired them, and they would love nothing better than to see this guy hit the skids because he gave them the the skids.
2: Right. And the people who are writing that story they want to write a negative story anyway, and as soon as CNN turns it around, they'll be the first to write a story about how great Chris Lick is.
0: Yep, it's it is. I mean, but you saw the transition from CNN. CNN used to be—I would—that was the first place I turned when I wanted to see if some breaking story was happening, especially during Desert Storm. They they were—they did some incredible stuff, and then it became—they like, were
2: the They were the only people that had a feed out of Iraq the night that the war started. Absolutely. And that everyone in the country had to turn to CNN, and that kind of made their reputation.
0: And the thing about it is that I think it was so sad is that they they lost that incredible credibility that they had and that people totally trusted them. And and for what it was, these the guys like uh, Jeff Zucker and the, this other Yahoo uh, that that was they destroyed their credibility because it was uh, it was all about supporting a political party, and anytime you do that, they make it all about that. I mean that. In fact, Chris Schmidt and you're coming to the reunion um, that's uh, coming up here on the seventeenth. A bunch of WREG employees and. And I just remember, I was thinking about it today. I said, I I don't have any idea. Chris Schmidt, who was our news director at the time, was a a conservative, a liberal. It was never discussed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, did did you never discuss it? We just. Well, that's
2: like, no, it never came up. It never came up what any of us were. No. And And to tell you the truth, most of us back then, a lot of us were, tend to be Democrats at that point, but. We never even talked about politics. No,
0: well, I was, because I grew up in West Texas, the most conservative place in the world, but it was never brought up because nobody no, argued I, about no,
2: it. Well, I didn't realize that, you know, we had several people. We all went on a trip recently. I mean, we all went on a trip back then, and you had on, uh, Rush Limbaugh and the guy that was riding with us couldn't <laughs> believe that you were listening to Rush Limbaugh.
0: Yeah, I remember. And then
2: I started to realize wait a minute, we all don't think alike because it had never really come up as no. a journalist.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: it just shows you that we were more interested in telling stories about local people. Than having an agenda to try to prove that our side was right over your side.
0: It just it, it was was not ever possible because if you did, Ray and just said, "Well, this is you didn't get the other yeah. side of the story." It's
2: propaganda, you can't yeah. write this.
0: Yeah. And just your opinion because you're not going to give your opinion. You can sit there and say <laughs> what somebody else thinks.
2: Exactly. But you, but and people you, that gave their opinion were totally separate uh, creatures, and they presented them as totally separate creatures. You know, like here's our local wildebeest, and you'll mm. be. Brought out, and he'll give his opinion, and people would be like, "Wow, he sure is opinionated," you know. And then they go right back to doing the news.
0: But even though, and you think back, even in national politics, you had uh, the Kennedys, who you look back now, and the Kennedys were pretty much uh, uh, middle of the road Democrats, and
2: yeah, they would be re- they would be Republicans today,
0: and and the Republicans that were uh, more middle could be in, ended up. Uh, nobody was radical in those days. And uh, it slowly emerged into these two conflicting parties. That ends up nothing being done. Nobody tells the truth. The networks all report whoever their champions are, and they don't report anything on the other people. But I think that's one, why it's so important that that local uh, radio, I wish local television that way, but I happen to know otherwise. I mean, they have actually had uh, local stations have their own little boards, editorial boards, to decide what stories are going to be covered and how they're going to cover them. Yeah, and, and I saw,
2: it's becoming more like that all the time.
0: And it, 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 I used to think, well, that's just up north, but it's not. It's right here in Memphis, Tennessee. I mean, you would be it's shocked everywhere. to find out. Uh, it really
2: is everywhere. Yeah. It's like they've decided that there's a certain group of people that they're going to pander to, and then they will get give them the news that that's you know that they want to that they know that they can sell. That's basically what it is.
0: Well, your friend, the the communist that you worked with for so many years. That we yep. we jokingly referred to as the communist. but he was he right. was always very liberal. But Jay knew that, but he still covered the news straight. He didn't lean it Absolutely. one way or the other. I mean, it just Absolutely. that would have been on thought of. You just wouldn't think of it. You sit there and go, no, this is what I think, but this is what the story is, and so that's it. Jim Elliott in Connecticut. Thank you, sir. Very enlightening. I uh, appreciate you spending some time with us.
2: My pleasure,
0: Earl. Take care. Buy buy a lithium battery today. All right, folks, that's it for us to uh, stay safe. Streets are still wet. We'll see you tomorrow.